everyone, it's Millie from Zed Games. I just interviewed Grant Kirkhope from Rare, and let me tell you something, he made my childhood, so I am barely, barely composed during this interview, but I hope you enjoy listening to it, because I certainly enjoyed talking to him. Thanks, guys. First of all, it's an absolute honour to speak with you, because when you started at Rare in 1995, I was born, so you literally made my childhood. (laughs) But, like, it's an absolute honour, honestly, because, like, I'm a little bit of a fangirl of yours. Well, I don't mind. That's all right. I'm glad somebody is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What was it like to work at Rare back in the day? So, it was amazing. You know, I kind of feel like it was like going to work at Disneyland. You know, to me, it felt so special. Because I've been playing in bands on and off for, like, 11 years, really, from university to that point, till I was 33. So, never had a job in my life. I just played in bands. That's all it is. Pub rock bands and stuff like that. So to end up actually at a company with a wage was pretty amazing all by itself. Never mind to actually do something that was good. Oh, wow. So a friend already worked there, Robin Beanland. We'd been friends for years and we'd played in rock bands together in Yorkshire. Um, and, um, yeah, it was just like he gave me the idea to, to apply to, to the job there. And then uh, I sent five cassette tapes off to Rare over the course of a year. I never heard a thing. And then out of the blue, I got a letter saying, please come for an interview. It was, so, it was incredible. When I got the job, I was like, I couldn't believe it. So I was getting paid to write music. I mean, you know, I had no idea what I'd let myself in for. But it was so special because Rare was really hitting the headlines just about that point when I joined. You know, they'd, they'd been, you know, very big as Ultimate Play the Game. And then they'd kind of quit that and become Rare. And I was, you know, big, big success on the NES. But they just, I think I got there just as they were doing Donkey Kong Country 2. So the Donkey Kong Country would have been a gigantic success, like, you know, 10 million sales. And then Nintendo bought half the company, or just under half the company. Super special to me that I couldn't believe it. That's amazing. That sounds like a dream come true for me, honestly. Banjo-Kazooie made my life back in the day. Um, how was the development process for that title? That was a little bit of a mishmash at the start, because when I first joined the team, they were making a game called Dream, which is on the Super NES. Oh, yeah, Project Dream, yeah. That was kind of the start of it, and that was like a 2D sort of, you know, RPG sort of thing. It looked really cool, actually. It switched onto the N64. Tim Stamper and Greg Mayles, who were the, Tim Stamper was one of the guys that owned the company, and Greg was like his number two, if you like. So they allowed me to come along and you know work with Dave on Dream. We started working on Dream together. It was kind of a big open world RPG, Zelda-like, I suppose, really. Uh, 3D, you know. It was, yeah. it was two and a half, yeah, it wasn't quite 3D, it was two and a half D. Oh, yeah. That went for about a year, I think. Or for, well, maybe a bit longer than that, actually. Uh, I, I wrote like 107 pieces of music for it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's yeah. a lot. Uh, like halfway, a little bit into that development, Dave left the club project to go and start working on uh, Diddy Kong Racing. Oh, yeah. It was called something like RC Pro-Am or something. It was called something that one of, one of, one of Rare's old games from, this, from the Spectrum days was called Pro-Am or something like that. Mm. And so they were making it. It wasn't called Diddy Kong Racing at that time. Yeah. And so I was left behind to do Dream by myself. And then I remember Conker's... Conquest 12 Tales with them was in development then. Ah, uh, yeah, when it was uh, wholesome. Yeah, this kind of uh, very complicated floor system where you could stretch the floor to any shape, which made you could make a really elaborate environments. Wow. Um, it was lots of polygons, and the N64 couldn't run it. And so we had a lot of problems trying to get it to run. And Conquered kind of gone for the Mario thing with big textures on the whole floor and all that kind of thing. So they had a really great Conquer demo. And I remember Tim Stamper uh, marched us all across to uh, the Conquer barn to say, look, you know, this is what they've got. And we were all like really depressed because Conquer looked fantastic and our game didn't. Yeah. And so we came back to uh, our block and it was, then it was like, right, scrapping this RPG is going to be a platformer. I think originally Banjo was a rabbit, actually. It was a rabbit. Oh. Uh, at the start. 
Wow. For a little while. And then it turned into a bear because Tim is very used to like to have animals for uh, the characters. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I was trying to think of a way for, for Banjo to fly, so they put a backpack on his back and wings just to pop out. Uh, just so he could fly, but you never saw Kazooie, and then it slowly evolved into Kazooie was in the backpack, and then was a full-on platform, and then I had to start all over again. So, uh, yeah, that's how, that's how it came, came, into, came into existence. Oh, wow. That's very complicated and absolutely amazing that you actually got there in the end. I know. Yeah, you wouldn't believe it, right? Banjo-Kazooie is known for some of its very, very iconic tunes. Um, what was the inspiration for some of them? Um, so, I was... Conscious of not because we were trying to beat Mario, right? Mario sixty four. That, that's that was our goal, to, or at least to get close to that. Yeah. Uh, so I knew that I, I couldn't write music in that kind of poppy, jazzy Nintendo stuff. I just can't do it. And then it's no point me trying to do something like that to copy them. So I had to try and find my own little bit of style. That I thought I could maybe make something decent out of it. You know, try my best. I hit upon that kind of umpa thing that it's it's through the whole game really that kind of unpatent, unpatent, yeah unpatent. definitely yeah and like I kind of got that from I was a big Danny Alphen fan at the time and I, I really liked Beetlejuice I thought Beetlejuice had a great soundtrack yeah and uh, there's an awful lot of Beetlejuice and I kind of thought oh I like that sound it kind of got me thinking about that and then I started thinking about the whole tritone thing if you're not musical you might not know what that means but tritone is like <laughs> You got there's a C and then another octave C and the, the middle point between that is called the tritone. It's like it's a moment. Oh. It sounds a bit weird. So I kind of thought because Banjo and Kazoo were such opposite personalities, Banjo was a bit thick and dumb, and Kazoo was very wisecracking and sarcastic. That those two notes would represent the two characters because they were the furthest, the furthest, the furthest point apart in, in music. Yeah. So I started, I started umpiring the kind of tritone thing. In fact, you just, you just do that. C major to F sharp major, C major to F sharp major. That's basically the banjo sound. Yeah, I kind of hit on that idea. Uh, not really, you know, it's not like it's anything new. It was been done for hundreds of years before me. Mm. I just hit on it and thought that fits. And then when I came to things like uh, Mad Monster Mansion, I was trying to think of a way to, to have a dark harmony that was quite scary, but wasn't scary for kids to play. I didn't want to, I didn't want to find anybody. Yeah, yeah. So I realised from Beetlejuice again, because Beetlejuice has got that kind of darkness to it, but it's kind of got a jolly rhythm to it. So... I realised if you can put a jolly rhythm with a dark set of chords, nobody gets scared, but it gives it that kind of darkness feel. Yeah. So, so for my Monster Mansion, I kind of hit up that key. That, so the whole game was really based around that kind of tritone, umpire thing. I used to try to compose myself into a corner, some, get work away from the keys and get into, into the middle of nowhere and then kind of work back to the home key again, just to make it... I don't know, and that's what I thought I was doing. I don't know if it came across, but that's what I thought, what I, thought I was doing. You know, you never know if big things are going to work, right? Like, I can't believe people are talking about Banjo 20 years later. I mean, I thought maybe 20 days later it'd be gone, right? You know. Oh, so wow. It's a weird thing how it's kind of uh, stood the test of time. So it's very humbling for me to think that, I, you know, one of my, my very first game, really, the whole game to myself, uh, people still remember it. I can't believe it. Yeah, like, definitely how you voiced that, um, how the music emphasises Banjo and Kazooie's personality. I can definitely hear that now in my head, that, that that's essentially what it epitomised perfectly. Like, well done there. <laughs> that's very clever. Things that you do that you don't know if people, you don't know if people are going to get it or not, you know, and I guess some people didn't get it, but it was, it was, it was kind of, it had that goofy oddball sound to it. That's what I was kind of going for, for the characters, you know. Yeah, definitely. You can definitely hear that in like the first uh, Spiral Mountain level that it sort of like epitomizes them perfectly. To completely flip the switch, GoldenEye was one of the classics up there with Banjo. Um, was it daunting to work with such an iconic IP? No, it was fantastic fun. Like when I first got there, my first job was to convert 
Dave Wise's uh, music from the Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy Kong's Quest, to work on the original Game Boy. Mm-hmm. And then um, I did that for about, I got there October 95. I did that for a couple, maybe a month or so. And then Graham Norgate, who was also there, was working on Goldeneye and Blast Corps at the same time. And said, so, look, I'm getting really busy on Blast Corps. Do you mind taking over Goldeneye? And I was like, you're joking, right? So, so it was like it was agreed that I would do the Game Boy game in the morning and work on Goldeneye in the afternoon. Wow. So at my age, uh, you know, uh, when I was a kid, like the biggest, the biggest moves of the year were always the, when the Bond movie came out. It was a big event. Like there was always the most spectacular, the best music, the best everything, right? So for me, to get to work on a Bond game was just incredible. Wow. So you know, I couldn't believe I got the chance to do it. And also, we had the rights to the Monty Norman theme, the very famous Jewish Bond theme, yeah. which a lot of times, he's, he's a very litigious guy, Monty Norman. He doesn't like handing out stuff like that. So we got to use the theme, which was amazing. So, and also I had, I had the, uh, at the time, I had the double CD set of uh, all the Bond pop tunes that precede the movies. Um, so I listened to those over and over again, but I knew them all anyway. Yeah, yeah. And so I just... It's out of picked it out the Monty Norman theme, stuck it all together, and just, just, you know, came up with what I thought was a Bond thing. But like I say, it's my very, my very, that was my very first N64 game, so I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, so, you know, to get to do that, and Graham Norgate, of course, we did, we probably did about, about half each of the music on that game, because Graham, I, I got halfway through it, and then I got, and then I got taken off the game to start Banshee Kazooie, our dream, and then Graham came back to finish it off, and he did the sound effects too. Oh, yeah. So, yes, yeah, so me and Graham did it together. Robin Beanland did one tune, he did the, the elevator music. And um, that kind of, kind of tune. So, yeah, so, you know, for me to do Bond was absolutely great. I just had such, it was such a great thing to do it. And to think of, just to get to play with that melody was like so special. I can believe that because I'm a huge Bond fan. So it was just like hearing your work in, combined with that theme, it's like it must have been just groundbreaking, mm. honestly. So I was made aware of you personally through when you made an appearance on Game Grumps a couple of years ago. Um, you've had a lot of experience working in the professional capacity with game developers, but more recently you worked with some smaller developers. Um, what are some differences you noticed in working with like smaller studios or smaller developers or smaller producers, that sort of thing? I guess I treat it the same way. I don't, I don't like try less hard because it's a small company. Um, but I think sometimes when you've got like an indie guy that you're working for, it's, it's a very quick process in, in making the decisions because it's like, You'll talk about it. You'll decide what you're going to do. And you go and do it, and that's what Rare was like. And when I was at Rare before Microsoft bought Rare in the early days, it was very much like you'd all meet together in the morning. You tell what you're going to do, and you got to go off and do it, and that was it. There's no one, to, no one to run it by, no management to run it by. You just did it. Yeah. And I kind of like that's the way I like it to be best, really. Um, and I kind of feel when Microsoft bought Rare, that got a little bit more complicated because you had that kind of management layer that seeped in from Microsoft and mm. that whole atmosphere of Microsoft thing, and you know. So it got harder to make quick decisions, to kind of run it up the flagpole, wait two weeks, you know. So I kind of feel it's a bit detrimental to, to making games. Really. I like I like making games, and it's all a bit like let's just do it and go and do it now. You know? Yeah. And that's what I, when I first started. That's how I was. So I guess, but like working with people like uh, Davide Soliani uh, for, for Mario Rabbids, you know, that's very like that. I really I really feel that the Milan Ubisoft Milan really feels like rare of old to me. Oh wow! And I think that's why the game came out so well. Um, the Mario Rabbit's game has been such a success because that studio really gets that thing. Yeah. They're very agile. Um, they're all massively passionate about Mario, you know, and all that. Uh, so I really feel that's been a real. Um, it's been like coming home for me working for them. It's been brilliant. Oh, 
I've also worked for people like uh, Praxis Games this year who make a game called Interstellar Space Genesis. There's the Deadest Two guys in Portugal. Oh, wow. Uh, and that's a, that's a kind of game that's it's on Steam right now. It's, it's Interstellar Space Genesis. Okay. Um, I did three tunes for that. I, did, I worked on the Platonic game, of course. Yeah, of course. And that, was only, that was only a small team at the start, like 10 people or so. I mean, I just, that whole game got mod, made by about 10 people, most of it. Oh, wow. It, it staffed up towards the end. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I just, I, you know, you have to just do your best always. There's never a time not to do your best. Of course. It's just, I don't, I, you know, it's not fair. I think you need to try your hardest. So I like, I like that agile, let's get on with it mentality. I don't want to mess around in admin spheres of focus groups and all that kind of crap. Yeah. Just, I want to talk to the head guy or whatever it is, and we get along great. He tells me what to do, and I go away and do it and do the next one. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that, that's a really good way to look at it, actually. Speaking of Platonic, uh, with the more recent title of Ukulele being released, what were your first impressions on the original concept and revival of a classic platformer? Well, super excited. I kind of feel I was quite instrumental in the start of that company, really. I, can't, I mean, me and Gavin Price were, were all the guys that have been friends for years, you know. Yeah. Uh, it was a fortunate set of disasters that kind of put that company together because some guys some guys got laid off. and It was the first time that some of the original Banjo-Kazooie team were available a lot of the, they were been at rare for years I mean I left before any of, the, any of them did um, you know so I think that I, I was excited about it you know for the Kickstarter to go so well and all that just it, it was a great you know I, I just it was a great thing to be involved in yeah uh, and they're, 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 they're my friends forever you know it's, it, that's you know it's great to work with those guys again the piss taking is exactly the same as it was 18 years ago I never changed we still have the sustain the, the same names we call each other the same stupid <laughs> Things change. It's just like we're just we're all just older. We've got wives and kids and mortgages now. This is different. Actually, so. Yeah. But it was great. To, yeah, it was great fun. Oh, that's awesome because you can tell there's a lot of love put in that game. You sort of answered this question, but we'll just go a little bit deeper. Um, was it a nostalgic experience to work on Yuka, or did it feel completely fresh? I think a bit of both. I think we were very conscious of not resting our laurels. We wanted to make sure we could update, bring bring that genre up to date. We kind of felt that there's no point just going over old grounds. It's, it's people done that before, right? So we were very conscious about trying to bring the best warm, warm, touchy, feely bits from the, from Banjo One and Two, and bring it up to date. And I've learned since. I'm hoping I'm a better composer than I was back then. You know, obviously I can't guarantee that, but I'm hoping that I am. <laughs> so you kind of you bring things with it that you've learned over the last twenty years, 18, 18 years at the time, yeah. um, and that was that was what it was all about. So yeah, I really feel like we wanted to kind of get all the best bits and bring it up to date. After a game is released, whether it be Yuka or Banjo-Kazooie back in the day, um, have you ever revisited it and thought you'd want to change anything? I'm not good at that. I genuinely, I'm, I'm not a very intellectual composer. <laughs> uh, and I just kind of, my first idea is usually the best one or it's going to be, I should just forget it and start again. So I'm not, I'm not a great polisher really. I'm not that kind of person. Uh, I'm a bit messy. So like, um, if it did, I just, I, I very rarely go back and go, I should have changed that because I, I, I guess I try my best and I kind of feel that's the best I could do at the time. Um, I guess I'm only really ever sort of 80% happy with what I do. I think I've always thought I could, be, I could be better because I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll write a piece of music and I listen to John Williams and Harry Potter and go, oh my God, why am I not as good as that? <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I'm as good as that, you know. So I mean, I think that, um, you know, uh, you do have that, but I can't say anything I would do differently about any music I've written over the last 23 years. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any of it. So, last question. What do you want to do or work on on games next? I just want to work, really. So I guess that's it, really. I'm happy to do anything. I mean, I do like... It's nice to work on a variety of things. I've got, I've had to, I've got to work on, like, 
you know, Kings of Namalo Reckoning, which is a very dark RPG, and Civilization games, and Ukulele, and, you know, and the Praxis thing, and Mario Rabbids over the last two or three years have been brilliant, you know, so it's, you know, to get to work on Mario is pretty amazing for me to think back in, when I started in 1995, if someone told me, you work in a Mario game, I just said they were crazy, you know. Yeah. Um, to get to that point, ridiculous, really. So, I'm happy to work on anything, I really am. Um, I'm just happy to be employed, really. If people want to employ me, that's great. Uh, <laughs> I would really like to do some movies, so I have done a little bit of that now. So um, I've just done a, a movie called The Wrong Rock, which is a little mini short animation, which is very high quality. Uh, it's by the guys who used to work at Rare called Mike Kaywood, who used to who worked on Cameo and Elements of Power and some of those games. So uh, he's just got he's, he works for Hollywood now as a kind of a previous guy, um, but he did his own little animation. That's, that'll be out soon. Um, so I'd like to do some movie stuff, you know. But I mean, I'm. I just want to write music, right? I really enjoy writing music. I mean, you know, sometimes I think it's a bit like pulling teeth for me. Um, but I do, uh, that's what I do, right? I mean, I'm not, like, I haven't really done enough lots since June because I've been, I finished the Donkey Kong Country add on to um, the Mario game, oh, yeah. the DLC. I wrote sort of like June ish. I've done little bits and pieces from June until now. Nothing major. So I'm, I feel like I needed a rest because I worked super hard over the last two or three years. Like, the Mario game was a massive undertaking. Yeah, no um, I think I feel like I'm ready to go again now. So I'm, I think I'm hoping. Well, I think I'm, I'm, I know what I'm going to be doing next. But I can't tell you, of course. Um, so, but, so I would think I'm going to get started on that thing. I was, I guess, in the next month or so, probably. Oh wow! It took me a little while to get all that done. Uh, so yeah, you know, yeah, I'm, you know, I just want to, I want to work. Right? I, I enjoy doing it. It's a great thing to do. I'm, I'm super fortunate. I've been able to do it over the last 23 years. I can't believe I managed it really. Um, you know, so yeah, that's it. I just want to get on with it. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for taking time out of your day to come talk to us. I am flabbergasted that I got the chance to speak with you because, again, you made my childhood. So thank you very, very much, Grant. No, 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 no,